So here's a good question for you. What do you do when you've gone to Harvard Law School and you've decided you don't want to be a lawyer anymore? I have someone who has the answers for you. Her name is Juliana Alvarez. She's Director of Alumni and International Career Services at Columbia Law School. And she did exactly that. And she had to make her way through. She was, uh, she went off and she did Feng Shui for a while. And then she came back and found that what she really wanted to do was help other people find their way after their law careers. And she's just an amazing individual. And she really talks about all the specific things that happen um, to lawyers when they want to reinvent. I mean, just think about the, I don't have to tell you if your lawyer's listening, but for the others who are not necessarily lawyers, all that schooling, the cost of the schooling, and then you've got a very fancy, respectable title, and you're going to give it all up for what? And I think that's a really brave thing to do, and yet we know so many people who are not happy being lawyers and nothing to do with the law profession. It's just either they've decided they did what they came to do and they want to move on, or it's just not for them, and you can't tell until you're part of it. So anyway, I want to welcome Juliana Alvarez, and she is just going to help all of you lawyers out there and people in similar types of careers you will want to listen to um, because she has a lot of tips and tricks for people in those very heavy professions where you've invested a lot of time, money, and energy and how to make a change. Welcome, Juliana. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. I am so excited to speak with you because you do something in reinvention that I nearly fell over when I heard that there was somebody who really just works on reinventing lawyers. I thought that was fantastic. And I really wanted to dig in with you and understand that. Can you talk a little bit about your background and how you, how you, where you grew up and how you got into the law to start with? And then we'll talk about your transition. Sure. I'm a native New Yorker and uh, went off to college and law school at Harvard, uh, came back to New York and uh, was on a pretty traditional career path. I started out at a large law firm um, and uh, then sort of began my path of my own career journey, um, ultimately specializing uh, in my practice at a smaller firm and ultimately deciding uh, that I didn't want to practice anymore. And so my uh, my own reinvention uh, ultimately became the inspiration and, and the background that I bring to ultimately doing this as a career. So fast forward, having left law practice, I uh, did a number of different um, types of work, all of which sort of built different skills that I needed, but uh, ultimately started doing career services within the law school environment uh, with a particular focus on helping alumni transition in their careers. And having sort of gone through that process myself, um, brought a certain amount of understanding and empathy and sort of skills in being able to think through what the next steps might be for someone in their career. So why did you leave law? Was it just constraining? Was it too many hours? Was it, you know, we hear a lot of women bail out because there's just too many demands on their time. It's a big time issue and they can't have any kind of balance of life. Was that the issue for you? 
Um, it was only partly that. I think for me, it was uh, more sort of personal dissatisfaction, if you will, with um, sort of what my everyday was and and sort of where I would see myself going in the future. Um, I really didn't see myself sort of going down the path of becoming a partner and and sort of the type of of work I was doing just wasn't as fulfilling on a daily basis as I had hoped to be. Um, and, you know, through law school, I had uh, wanted to be an intellectual property attorney, um, was working at a boutique firm that uh, was in that area. And so essentially, I was in my dream job. Uh, but the day to day lawyering just wasn't as as fulfilling to me as I had hoped. Uh, so that's really where my mind started thinking like, well, you know, uh, this is the ideal situation. What am I going to do next? And and had to begin exploring that for myself. And how did you begin to explore that? What were the steps you took? And what were the forces out there that were either pushing back against you or pushing you forward? Well, I think my main motivation in trying to find the next steps was always to think about where my passions were, what things excited me, and where I wanted to sort of help other people. Uh, and so one of my forays into other types of work was um, early on doing diversity management consulting um, to help, uh, you know, law firms and law departments at companies uh, to sort of address the the underrepresentation of women and minorities uh, in the legal profession in those settings. Uh, and so I joined a startup that that was involved in that. Uh, so that was sort of, you know, one of the things that I did. Um, I then ultimately, uh, in the career services setting, really found that, you know, I just really loved being able to help people one-on-one -on -one, uh, to consider their options or sort of what the best fit for them is. And and that's really what sort of inspires me, um, not only to go down this path, but to to do it every day and find it really interesting. It never gets boring. So what was the what were the main barriers for you in law? Was there a financial barrier? I would imagine that if you've spent all this time in school and um, all the money on law school that you're like, uh oh, what am I going to do now if I don't want to continue this? Is that a big barrier? It is a barrier. And I think, you know, certainly when I when I considered my own situation and you mentioned earlier, you know, was there any pushback? I mean, I think a lot of the pushback was from you know, friends and colleagues who were like, are you crazy? You know, you're leaving the legal profession. You work so hard to get this, uh, you know, and for me, it was sort of never about just the finances or the prestige, um, but really having career satisfaction. So uh, you had, I had to sort of do my own risk assessment and, and think about whether making a change of that magnitude uh, was worth it to me. And ultimately it was, uh, but I always tell people when I'm talking to them and sort of counseling them, you know, to, to recognize their own risk tolerance um, and figure out how much risk they can tolerate and what things they can do to sort of prepare and minimize the risk. What are the barriers then um, that other people come up with that you hear now that you've counseled a lot of lawyers and what are the things that you're surprised by? Is there anything that surprises you? I think there's a lot of reasons that people feel challenged to make this type of change in their careers. Uh, so, you know, we already discussed sort of the financial aspect, but there's also the sense of identity that's wrapped up into sort of always ah, answering the yeah. question with, I'm, I'm a lawyer. Uh, and, right. and that can be a challenge. Um, family and friends uh, can pressure people into considering whether or not to make a change. Uh, and so, you know, those are a number of the common barriers that I hear. So what's the craziest kind of 
segue that you've helped people with. I know that you were a feng shui person for a while there yourself. Yes, actually, I uh, had studied feng shui, which is sort of the, the um, Chinese art of placement uh, and harmony uh, as a hobby. And then ultimately uh, launched my own consulting practice and and did that for about five years before I found career services as a, a professional path. Uh, so that definitely was a very unusual career move. Uh, I tell people I, I had stopped practicing sort of the law of the state of New York and was practicing the laws of the universe. Uh, but uh, it, um, I think, drew, drew on a lot of the skills that I had in terms of uh, both the hard skills of analysis and being able to explain people uh, people's options to them, uh, as well as sort of more creative aspects of design and, and uh, being able to sort of help people find a, a more harmonious way to, to set up their surroundings. And what other transitions, has anybody transitioned that you've known um, into some kind of crazy, very unadjacent business? What's the, what's the most distant thing you've helped people do? You know, the range um, has been broad. I mean, some are much more traditional, you know, going into financial services or, or uh, you know, sort of a, a business side career. Some go into academics. Um, the more non-traditional have been folks that wanted to transition into uh, sort of going back to a first love of music um, ah, and, wow. and sort of joining an orchestra and sort of on a volunteer basis and and um, taking on music students was one pathway. Um, someone else who ended up becoming a caterer. Uh, so oh, that was wow. definitely unrelated. Um, but, but sometimes it's just uh, even inspiring people who notice how much I enjoy my work and have decided to go into some form of, you know, uh, academic side or on the law firm side, some of the, the roles internally doing professional development. Uh, so uh, I've been able to sort of help people think through what those careers are like. And what kind of skills are analogous? What are they, what are they usually bringing from their law backgrounds into their new backgrounds? Are there advantages if you're going to transition out of being in the law to something else? What do you have that other people don't? Absolutely. There's, yeah, there's a, a whole list I actually um, sometimes share with folks of, of the transferable skills, as I like to call them. Mm -hmm. But I think one of the most important is that uh, for attorneys, there's a strong skill set in terms of communication and interpersonal skills. And that's really? super huge in terms of being able to transition into other types of workplaces, just being a great communicator. Mm. Uh, and the other I would say is the ability to analyze and research and really look at all sides of issues and be able to anticipate challenges and, and come up with solutions. Wow, that's interesting. What are they surprised by when they make their transitions? I think the surprises that I've heard of come more from those who didn't take as much time to really think about what they were excited to move toward versus what they were trying to get away from. Uh, and sometimes in not taking time for that, uh, they may sort of end up in an environment that doesn't really suit their needs or what their priorities in life are. And so, um, you know, that would definitely be one of my, my main tips is sort of take time to reflect and sort of self-assess before making a major change. 
uh, so that you can really make sure that you're heading in the right direction. And so do you find that they're, they just jump into something just to get away because they're, they're just so fed up and they just want to get away at all costs? Is that what you're saying? I mean, sometimes people definitely feel sort of like, okay, I really, you know, don't want to be in this setting anymore. Um, maybe there's family priorities that are that are uh, taking their attention and they're really looking to sort of make a move more quickly. And I think um, career reinvention takes some amount of patience and time. Um, so it's not always instant gratification. And so sometimes folks will make a move much more quickly or take some action um, you know, and, and it ends up being a misstep um, as opposed to really moving them further along to where they want to be. And sometimes I find out about, you know, the steps they've taken after they've already done whatever it is. And um, and I can sort of help them redirect their journey from there. Mm, interesting. So how long would you say it really does take to actually transition? What should people expect? Well, you know, as I mentioned, after doing sort of that initial self-assessment, and that includes everything from, you know, what, what are your strengths, what are your priorities, what inspires you, uh, you know, what types of settings, what are the non-negotiables that you want in a workplace, um, to then, I think, avoid the missteps by doing a lot of what I call the art of the coffee chat, um, which is a, a my way of saying networking. And mm -hmm. I think by talking to people who are out there in whatever field you're looking at, uh, mm -hmm. you know, sort of doing your own career exploration um, by talking to others that are doing these things already can let you find out whether or not, you know, their day-to-day -day is something that you would be happy doing, or it may convince you that, you know what, the grass looked greener, but now that I've seen what it's like up close, I don't want to go down that path. Uh, and so you can redirect your efforts before it's, uh, you know, too risky to, to make another move. Um, so I think that type of just... Um, you know, being able to talk to others, learn from their experiences, and really explore in a safe way uh, can help to set people up on a great path. Um, plus, you're building up allies that um, can ultimately help you find out about opportunities when they arise, um, help open doors, help connect you to others. I think it's one of the, the greatest accelerators to success in a career reinvention. That's really interesting. Do you think that this is a similar, do you see like similar um, reinvention challenges for this career that are analogous to other careers out there? Or do you think lawyers are pretty unique? Um, I, I think there are some similarities, certainly talking to, you know, colleagues um, who, you know, from college, et cetera, who pursued other career paths. Uh, you know, I see people who went to medical school and became doctors who mm -hmm. sort of sometimes um, are looking to dial back um, the type of practice they're in um, or change settings, people who have pursued business school, et cetera. Um, for lawyers, I think uh, part of the challenge is that um, there is so much tied into often their uh, view of their own, you know, who they are. Yeah, um, it, it, It's the, the identity and the career become very interwoven. Yeah. And so that initial realization of I might not be practicing, um, you know, does that sort of make me not a lawyer anymore? Or am I just transitioning my lawyer skills to something else? Um, wrapping the mind around that, I think is one of the biggest challenges. And what are the biggest joyful parts of all this? Do you, do you see these people unleashed? Do you see them can you get describe any 
kind of examples of people who you've worked with who have come back to you and said, wow, this, you know, this is totally exactly what I was looking for. And I'm so much happier. Any kind of happy ending stories? Yes, absolutely. I mean, those are the moments that that really make my job such a joy. Um, and so, you know, very recently, um, I helped someone who was leaving a law firm setting to um, pursue an in-house opportunity, and that worked out for them. And and they were, you know, just so happy. Um, so they're still a lawyer, right? Like they're still mm. um, practicing, but in a very different setting. Um, and so helping them to assess what they had to do to to sort of succeed in that and um, be able to to talk to other people who were in-house counsel to figure out, um, you know, sort of how they were going to redirect themselves along those lines and do so successfully. It was great to hear the news when I when I heard that they got the position. Um, you know, meanwhile, somebody else just recently got an interview um, with an, another type of employer, and I'm I'm still keeping my fingers crossed for that one. I haven't heard the result, but it sounded very positive and. And so those those sort of daily, uh, you know, you, you may not get them every day, but but uh, there's always something in someone's progress and someone's story. Maybe they made a new connection, um, you know, they've heard about an opportunity, and you're helping them get ready for it. Um, that definitely makes for a great feeling. That um, I know on a daily basis, sort of who I've helped, and that I've had mm -hmm. a positive impact on someone else. Do you think that we're in a phase of First of all, question, do you get as many women as men wanting to change or is it imbalanced or balanced? Actually, in my current work, I get I get both. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, there may be different reasons, different uh, challenges that may come about. But I think, um, you know, we're in a time where both men and women are looking for more career satisfaction. And those transition times are going to come up for them potentially at, at different points, or there may be different struggles. Um, but everybody sort of starts out with with some of the same questions of, you know, how am I going to do this? Is it the right thing for me to do? Is the timing right? Um, and those are the things that we can sort of talk through and, and figure out individually for each person. Is there an age time when you see most people coming to this conclusion that I need to make a change? You know, I, in, in the years, and I've now been doing career services about 12 years, um, I've really seen transitions happen, um, you know, at, at a number of stages, right? Mm -hmm. It could be someone who's a sort of a mid-level attorney, uh, maybe, you know, five years out, they're starting mm -hmm. to think about, uh, you know, do I continue law practice? Do I change settings and maybe go in-house? Do I sort of continue the path and, and try to become a partner? What if that's not what I want to do? Mm -hmm. um, whereas you're also, I also have counseled alumni at, at various employers that I've been at where um, they're coming close to retirement and they don't really want to retire. Wow. Um, okay. They're wondering what's the next, you know, what's the next chapter look like? Um, and there are some law firms out there who have mandatory retirement for, um, for some of the partners, et cetera. So that could be an issue. Hmm. Interesting. What do you think other people who are listening who are in law and are thinking like, oh my God, I need to talk to her, but can can they call you if you're if they didn't go to Columbia? Are you strictly working with Columbia? Are there other places that people can go who um, to find counselors who work specifically with lawyers and understand their particular issues? 
Yeah, unfortunately, I can't take care of everyone, but Columbia right. alumni can certainly, uh, Columbia Law School alumni can certainly reach out to me. Um, but I, I would say that, you know, pretty much all schools nowadays have uh, resources for their alumni in the career offices. And so they should certainly feel free to reach out to their alma mater, whether it be the law school or, um, you know, if they're listening to this and they're not lawyers, but thinking of reinvention, they're their undergraduate institutions, um, there's usually going to be someone there who can point them in the right direction and help get them some resources. Do you think, and I may be crazy, but I think, I feel like a lot of people have said to me that when they left college and they didn't really know what they wanted to do, a lot of people thought it was very acceptable. I hear this from a lot of women. I haven't talked to a lot of men, but they thought law was a good thing because it was acceptable. It solved that problem. Their parents were happy and they knew that it would be lucrative. So they just sort of grabbed it and went forward and then realized like, whoops, that was, you know, I was just reaching for something. Yeah, I, I think that 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 is somewhat common. Um, I've, I've heard that, uh, you know, over the years. And I think there's a lot of um, sort of a, a mixed a mixed truth, right? It's sort of mm -hmm. like, yes, you can do a lot with a law degree, mm -hmm. um, you know, but again, sometimes there are situations where the law degree alone is not going to get you to where you want to go. And that can be hard to hear. Um, mm. and, and sometimes it's, it's going to take, you know, from point A to point B, there are some situations where you might need additional skills or training or another degree or another certificate, right? It's not like if you came out of law school, you can suddenly, you know, go into an operating room and do surgery, right? right so, right. um, you know, you have to sort of think through what does this new industry or field that I want to go into require of me? And, you can certainly make the most of the transferable skills as we were talking about before, uh, but there may be sort of new skills that you need to acquire or at least show that you have the equivalent of what they're looking for and, and find a way to sort of demonstrate that to them. So, you know, I think that that's part of the um, sort of the, the work that people have to do in marketing themselves to employers is making sure that they can address and sort of tailor to the needs of the employer and be able to demonstrate to them that they do have what it takes for this, this position. And there's often for, for many of these reinventions, right, there's going to be this um, thought process on the side of the employer doing the hiring of, is this person really the right fit? Do I even, mm -hmm. should I even bring them in for the interview? And it's really upon the, the candidate to try to overcome that as much as possible in their application materials and in their interviews. So yeah, sometimes employers have to be disabused of, of the sort of hesitancy of hiring someone whose background doesn't exactly fit the traditional path to that type of role. And I think if a candidate can show that they have taken it upon themselves to sort of educate themselves on the industry or the field, uh, be able to show that they've maybe taken some continuing education courses, maybe they've joined associations and, and programs that will sort of get them around the the, uh, the knowledge of this industry, that will help a long way to um, have the employer see them as a viable candidate. Do you think there is any fear of hiring previous lawyers into other fields? Like they're afraid that they're going to be litigious with them or they're going to be, I remember hearing stories about you know, and I don't know whether these are true or not, it's probably all gossip, but in the, um, you know, when people were looking for apartments, it was like, oh, be careful, don't, you know, if they're a lawyer, you don't want to get involved. Is there any of that? Is there any of that kind of barrier out there for 
transitions? I've really not come across that. I think the greatest fear on the employer side is on the one hand, can I afford to hire this person? Because there's a perception that oh, they're gonna uh, be too someone might be too expensive to hire. And often what I find in the candidates that, that I counsel is that, you know, people recognize that there's going to be a salary differential and they're perfectly okay with that. They just want to be able to sort of start in a new direction mm-hmm. and are totally open to not only the salary change, but also, uh, you know, being able to take direction from others and, and being able to sort of, you know, start uh, potentially on the first rung. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, depending on the situation, the person might be able to sort of come in at a, at a more senior or more mid-level, uh, depending on what the role is. But I think that's sort of one of the fears is, is the salary. And the other, I think, is just um, sometimes people doubt whether an attorney really is ready and willing to leave practice. And I think if the person can talk to the employer and, and be convincing about, you know, their, their reasoning of why they want this other role, mm-hmm. um, then they can overcome that. So that the and what you're saying is the employer just is not believing that they really want to leave this lucrative, very high status thing to do something else. They're just doubtful. exactly wow, interesting. How do you get over that barrier? Do you have any tips and tricks on that? Because I could understand that. I think a lot of it is is showing that you've been very thoughtful about your own process and sort of getting to that point. And so, for instance, if if you're interested in, you know, industry A and you can show that along the way you have, you know, joined some industry groups, uh, you're, you're following the publications and, and sort of the, um, the various, uh, you know, social network uh, platforms for that industry and you're, uh, you know, taking some continuing education courses in that field, that's something that an employer will sort of notice and, mm-hmm. and see that, you know, this isn't a whim. You're mm-hmm. actually very prepared and already taking steps to be part of their world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that that just meeting them halfway uh, will get you in the door. What other, do you have any other sort of tips and tricks for um, these people who obviously are very, I can't imagine that many lawyers have a lot of free time to explore um, their, you know, possible reinvention. Do they do it? Do they, do they take their job up to the last, day and then quit and then explore the reinvention? Do they do it on weekends? Do they do the um, learning vacations? Are there any tips for those people? Because I can't imagine that they have like, you know, nine to five jobs and then can go explore something in the evening. <laughs> right. That at the, the time the time uh, involved in, in doing a job search or reinvention definitely is a factor. And I think the, the wisest course um, is to sort of explore while you're still in your current job or career um, so that you're sort of able to take things sort of step by step. And as I said at the sort of earlier, it's a process that takes some patience uh, and being able to sort of get yourself moving in the right direction, make sure that you're aiming for the right things will take some time. So it's rare that that sort of the, um, you know, quitting on the spot and sort of just going off and launching yourself in another direction is is the best course of action. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm one that would counsel more preparation and and sort of thinking things through and planning things through. Mm-hmm. And part of that I would say is is my main tip would be sort of stay accountable to yourself. Mm-hmm. And so even if all you can manage is doing one thing a day um, that pushes your job search or your exploration further then, you know, check that box off and and you're good, right? Some people will be able to manage more based on what their schedules are. But even just knowing like, you know, I'm going to try to do one 
informational coffee chat with someone in a month um, would mm -hmm. be a good goal. Mm -hmm. um, just being able to say, you know what, I'm going to spend one day this weekend for just an hour uh, taking a look at different job postings just to see what inspires my excitement. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, what are the things that seem to sort of make me feel like, oh, I could see myself doing that um, mm -hmm. and start to sort of collect some of those so that you have the beginnings of a of a way to compare and see, like, is there a common thread among the things that are making me feel inspired? Um, that may be what what initially gets you moving in a particular direction. But taking the time to sort of do those small steps will add up, um, you know, being able to even just, you know, update your your LinkedIn profile, um, make sure that, you know, if somebody Googles you and, and they find your LinkedIn profile, that that it's the type of image you want to have. Um, mm -hmm. You know, all of those small steps will lead to to ultimately success in, in the job search and in your reinvention. I like the one item a day. I think that's very doable, even if it's just, you know, following somebody on, you know, who in your new profession, whatever, you know, five, find five people to follow on Instagram who, you know, who inspire you or just get you moving one one item a day is that's a great way to get started. It is. And it's, it's very effective. And obviously, you know, if you have more time in your schedule, you right. can, you can get more done. But I think just having that sense of accountability and accomplishment that you are moving things forward um, can also help people just feel less trapped in wherever they are. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's sort of like having a release valve, just knowing that you're yeah. taking action helps to take some of the pressure off. Yeah, I definitely do. Any other tips and tricks in our closing few minutes about what um, many times, uh, you know, professionals are sort of like, you know, I should be able to do this myself and instead, you know, seek out help and advice from others. And in particular, I would say, look for folks that don't have an agenda when it comes to your career, right? Like sometimes the people closest to you, whether mm -hmm. it's family or a spouse, um, you know, may have a little bit of their own fears and, and concerns about what happens if you make a change in your career? Um, so try to go outside that circle um, to get some ob objectivity, if you will. Um, and also it may be someone who, who you end up sort of partnering with in terms of uh, staying accountable and just, you know, checking in maybe, you know, once every few weeks um, to sort of give an update on what you've done lately on your career exploration or have you sent your resume out anywhere or even just, um, you know, practicing interview skills, right? Like for most people that are making some type of career change, mm -hmm. it, it may have been some time before they've had their last interview. So it, mm. it's not silly at all to work with someone to have a practice interview. Mm. Wow. Interesting. So accountability buddy, that's very interesting, but not, not somebody who's dependent on you. Right. Interesting. And what about getting coaching and what about, um, what about that kind of outside help? Well, I think if, you know, if you can get, um, you know, free help from your alma mater, um, that, that's always a great path. Um, mm -hmm. But for some folks, you may need to have sort of, you know, someone who's working with you on a more co um, consistent basis, sort of one-on-one. -on -one. And for some people, coaching mm -hmm. will work um, and, you know, finding a professional coach. Uh, so there's, there's different uh, resources out there and, uh, you know, I think people have to sort of know what their own level of what they're going to need will be. Um, but certainly starting out with, you know, speaking to someone um, who's a career counselor, uh, potentially at, at your educational institution is a good starting point. Hmm. 
Any other last tips before we finish up? Yeah, I would say don't beat yourself up in the process. Um, I think sometimes candidates can be harshest on themselves. Um, they're putting a lot of guilt on themselves for even thinking that they want to change careers. Um, you know, are they going up against the expectations of other people or even their own expectations of what they thought their lives and their careers would be? Um, and so just, you know, be self-compassionate and um, think of it more as an adventure than than um, sort of putting yourself in the mindset that that because you're changing in your career that somehow it equates failure or or that something's wrong with you. Um, it's just a progression in who you are. And, and I'm sure that most of us would agree that, uh, you know, who you were when you were, um, you know, in school is not who you are, you know, 10, 20, 30 years later, right? And, and so your needs change, your priorities change, your lifestyle needs change. And there's, you know, no reason to look at a reinvention or a career change as a negative, but rather as a positive and go on the adventure and the journey. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I have to say, I'm so thrilled to hear that there are people out there who can help very specific types of people in professions transition. And because uh, I think it's, it's hard. And everybody tells me it's hard. And uh, I certainly can imagine when you layer in the financial and you layer in all the schooling and the fact that you're, you know, you've got a big title when you're an attorney, right? Right. And then you want to become a civilian like the rest of us. What are you crazy? So this is wonderful. Yeah. Juliana, so if I, if, if I can ahead. give other recovering attorneys some hope, then uh, I'm happy to do that. That's wonderful. Juliana, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And where can, it has to be Columbia alumni, right? Where can yes. they find you? Yes. Um, actually, Columbia Law School has their career services webpage. Um, and, uh, you know, they can find me on the staff page. My email and phone are there. Um, and I'm happy to uh, to meet with them. And for people who are not Columbia alumni, you would send them back to their schools to look for a similar kind of person, correct? Absolutely. Um, generally, it'll it'll be a career services office, um, or the alumni office, if, if they can't quite find the career page, um, the right. alumni office will typically be able to set them in the right direction. Fantastic. Juliana, thank you so much for talking today. My pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. So I want to thank you all for joining Reinvent Yourself with Leslie Jane Seymour. And I hope you enjoyed listening to Juliana Alvarez, who is a career reinventor herself and also helps others who are in the law profession reinvent themselves. I think we, we need to have the doors open for all those people who did all that work and now decide that they want to change. All of us are interested in transitioning. And I hope that you enjoyed this podcast and if you did that you will give us some stars in our ratings and give us a review that's the only way that other people find things like this podcast because there's no other way for them to find us except the rating system so give us a few stars if you like us and please subscribe and come back and visit us again and remember also please join the coveyclub.com and 
You can also find thecoveyclub.com. You'll find us on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn. Thank you, and we'll talk to you next time.